It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Six oh six to the time. So wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. It's a Thursday, and I swear I can see the weekend from here, just over the horizon. You'll see the sun coming up pretty soon. That's the weekend heading your way. Slowly, it'll get here. Trigger warning. Warning. This show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. Sometime this morning I get to pick on the experts again, because the experts will, uh, well, the, the inflation numbers are coming out. And the experts, of course, have made all sorts of predictions. And I've been watching... Yeah, those predictions come out over the past couple of days. Even this morning, as I've been working here on the ridiculously large television they put in my studio, I've kept an eye on various experts that have come up on news channels talking about what the inflation index is supposed to be, or the household index, as they call it. And I just know that when the number comes out, whether it's a good number or bad number, improvement, non improvement, whatever the case is, the experts will be wrong again. So watch that during the course of the morning. Now, some of the things I have for you. It's just a matter of where do I begin. Let's stick with Wyoming. First off, once again, Cowboy State Daily doing a great job with some stories here. There's a a group, the Sierra Club, that is actually having a bit of reality check on wind and solar power. I can get to because they're looking at this going, wait a minute, there's some bogus things happening here. That's interesting. Also, in Casper, Wyoming, a school board, remember that whole fight that they're having over some books in the school library that are really, they've got some objectionable material in it that some people are calling flat-out pornographic. Well, during one of their meetings with the school board, one parent said to a teacher, well, basically called the teacher a pedophile. Well, school board asked for police to intervene after teacher gets called pedophile. We'll take a look at that. Not because the guy said it, I think it's mainly because We'll see why, but the school board wants to make sure if we're going to have this discussion, nothing gets violent, right? right, We'll look at that. Also, this is, I think, a good story that from New Zealand to Wyoming, New Zealand livestock fart tax, yeah, like a cow fart tax, is a disastrous policy, says a Wyoming agricultural expert. Oh, you better believe it is. Also, uh... This is good news. There's a new soda ash mine expected to create about 2,000 jobs in Sweetwater County. Yeah, And then um, open migration routes and so on. We'll talk about that. And, and the open migration has nothing to do with illegal immigrants. Once again, it goes back to the whole thing about wind and solar and stuff like that. So let's open with that because I have some other stories on the national issue. But let's open with some of that. This, I thought, was a really interesting story on Cowboy State Daily. 
The story reads a Sierra Club report that gives a pair of power producers in Wyoming failing grades for their commitment to climate change efforts is politically motivated and doesn't jibe with reality, says a leading climate change journalist and author. The report's conclusion that replacing organic fuels, not fossil fuels, they're organic fuels, with wind and solar is more affordable and reliable and I've also given you several – there are several people that I've given you that have said – Alex Epstein's one of them – that has made that case. The, this guy is the author of Apocalypse Never. He told Cowboy State Daily that the reality of such a policy at play in California and Europe doesn't support the Sierra Club's conclusion. Quote, if solar and wind – now, this is a line this guy says that I kind of set up and went, yes – This is what I've been talking about. He says, if solar and wind are so much cheaper forms of electricity, then why did the Sierra Club lobby Congress for $370 billion in subsidies for solar and wind and other such projects? Well, I thought this was supposed to be really affordable electricity here. If it's so viable and so inexpensive then why do you need heavy subsidies for it? Why can't it make it on its own in the marketplace? Other forms of energy does. So why can't wind and solar? Which is why I've said to you before, when the tax breaks and subsidies run out, especially the subsidies, these places quit working. They only exist because they're being heavily subsidized. California has the second highest electricity rates in the country after Hawaii. And Germany's energy costs are so high, it's at risk of losing its major industries, which, this gentleman says, is a result of an overall reliance on wind and solar across Europe. Quote, people are going to be cold this winter. These Europeans will be burning wood and garbage to stay warm. He's not kidding. They already have done that in past years. In fact, some years ago, I did a story how in the U.K., UK was trying to turn to all wind and solar energy, mostly wind because they don't have a whole lot of sunshine there during the course of the year. Yeah, it clouds up a lot. And it didn't work so bad that most people, because their homes are old, have in their basements, they have oil burners and coal burners to heat their homes. And so because people didn't want to freeze, they started to fire them back up again. So... Quote, they're longing for their old growth uh, forests in Europe for wood. They're logging, pardon me, their old growth forests. And in Denmark, they're stealing wood from each other because they're so desperate to stay warm. And we're still 70 days away from actually the beginning of winter. So it's really going to get ugly, he says. The studies like those cities, the Sierra Club report, rely heavily on assumptions that they'll... Um, Well, global outcomes based on small-scale solar – well, okay, it gets into a lot of detail. Sometimes uh, looking at the detail that's in front of me here, I'm thinking this is just too much to dive into on the radio. You'll have to read it yourself. It gets kind of complicated. So when your sources are producing electricity for 30 percent to 35 percent of the time and – they don't have 100% backup from power plants like coal power plants, well, you're going to wind up in trouble. So the report titled The Dirty Truth About Utility Climate Pledges grades 77 utilities 
that together supply about 40% of electricity generated in the United States on their efforts to achieve 80% clean energy by 2030. Now, here, this is also where I toss out the idea of clean energy. Because they say it's dirty energy if it produces CO2, which I've shown before is not dirty. Among the Wyoming utilities graded, there are Tri-State Electric Generation Transmission Association, which provides power to the electric cooperatives across Wyoming. Basin Electric Cooperative, which serves 10 electric cooperatives across the state. The report handed Tri-State a B grade while hitting Basin Electric with an F. Quote, while electric utilities have pledged to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions, they have made little progress since our first report. That's where they're trying to damn us for this. Well, again, I still throw out the idea. I mean, I'm just tossing it away that these CO2 emissions are even a problem. But even then, when you take why is the Sierra Club looking at this as, well, these people pollute because they put CO2 out there, but they refuse to look at the damage done by wind and solar as if this stuff just creates rainbows. Don't worry about it. The story says the Sierra Club report argues the transition is necessary to avoid catastrophic outcomes caused by climate change. Okay, hold on, because I got to deal with that. We will in just a moment. I am so glad I'm not the only one, this gentleman tearing apart the Sierra Club report. I'm not the only one doing this, and thanks to Cowboy State Daily for putting up this story. 615, wake up, Wyoming. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods from K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. Six twenty-one's the time. Let's wake up, Wyoming. I want to respond to Rhiannon for danger over here. I can't read all of the words she uses. Shame on you, Rhiannon. So we care what these people grade us as. Why? It's like those studies that don't know all of what they're talking about with Wyoming. Yeah, there's a lot of studies. Yeah, you're talking mainly about like Wallet Hub that I go through. But here also, this is part of the article that I'm reading where this gentleman is saying. The targets of the Sierra Club in its new report are political rather than scientific. And this is where, again, they give um, coal, gas, and oil, but especially power plants, so coal power plants, for example, a failing grade when it comes to fighting climate change because we're in a climate crisis. But wind and solar, they get an A+. And and so this gentleman tears it apart as to why they don't get an A+, why they're destructive, wind and solar is, and they refuse, the Sierra Club refuses to look at it. But also, they, the Sierra Club report shows, well, wind and solar is so much more affordable. Really? This gentleman says, and I'm going to keep repeating this, he says, if wind and solar are so much cheaper forms of electricity, then why did the Sierra Club lobby Congress for $370 billion in subsidies for them? And at the same time, with all of the subsidies that they get, why are places like California and Europe and Hawaii, why are their energy prices so high compared to the rest of the nation? You might look at your utility prices and think, yeah, they're kind of low. And they are. You have, Living here in Wyoming with me, you have some of the lowest energy costs in America. And not just for your electric bill, but natural gas and diesel and gasoline and all of that is actually pretty inexpensive compared to the rest of the nation. We do well. 
That price will rise, though, because your state is going to get involved in things like carbon sequestration, which is going to increase the cost of energy here in Wyoming. And the more wind and solar we put up, same thing. Your price is going to go up. The more we shut down coal and natural gas as power, and the more we get into garbage like carbon sequestration, in other words, the more we follow the path of California and rely on wind and solar, which is completely unreliable, the more we're going to wind up like California, as this gentleman points out. Back to the Sierra Club article, which gives Wyoming this failing grade. The targets of the Sierra Club, he says in its new report, are political rather than scientific. He said these targets are guiding energy policy, and many utilities are trying to transition to new sources while trying to keep rates low at the same time. In fact, I guarantee as rates start to skyrocket, as you pay more and more for energy, you're going to have people like uh, President Biden and other Democrats yelling at the power companies, why are prices so high? You're gouging. No, that's not why prices are so high. The report gives the tri-state high marks for its climate goals, which include 90% CO2 reduction in Colorado generated by 2030. Now, again, every time they say that, I'm going to come back with, you don't need to reduce CO2. It's not a pollutant. It's not a driver in climate change. But moving on, Lee, I think his bogey is his name, a tri-state spokesperson said, the nonprofit, not-for-profit company is trying to balance the need of rural customers and its goals for energy transformation. Now, here's part of the problem here. See, these companies are desperately trying to survive. And so they're trying to go for um, a transition just to survive. They're just trying to do business. They're in the business of providing energy for us, electricity and other energies that we use. And they just want to do business. They're just trying to survive. Sometimes in order to survive, they end up having to play along just so their business can stay in business. So we're desperately trying to do – they're desperately trying to do everything that's demanded of them by the Biden administration and groups like the Sierra Club. But no matter what they do, it's going to drive them out of business because the ultimate goal is to drive them out of business. Now, I'm not making that up. That's what groups like the Sierra Club say. So, okay, another story. Now, I always have to be careful when I read from this organization. I never tell you who they are. They say they're a news organization, but they're not. They're flat-out propaganda. So their story that they put up here, open migration routes critical for big game health. Now, I'm going to relate this here. A new Pew Charitable Trust report, tapping mountain GPS collar tracking So you put a collar on different kinds of migrating animals in Wyoming and across the West. Executive Director of Wyoming Wildlife Federation said the study confirms migration is critical as a survival tool. You know, mule, deer, all sorts of other migrating animals, right? And they follow the green pass. In other words, they follow where their groceries are is essentially what he's saying. Study found that migration pathways are often blocked or disrupted and by fencing, buildings, etc., etc. And when we block those migration corridors, they don't migrate and it affects their population. Okay, that story is not actually wrong, but what they do not include in the story is 
So we're putting up all of these wind towers everywhere, taking up vast amounts of land. And they want to put up solar farms, too, taking up vast amounts of land. So here's this story saying, well, human activity, putting up fencing, buildings, and other structures like that, the story says, affects migration corridors and greatly reduces the number because they can't migrate. Okay, I'll take what you say at face value. Then why do you want to put up massive wind farms all over the place? They take up huge areas of land. And I've asked the Sierra Club and Wild Earth Guardians and groups like that before, only to be blocked by them on social media. But I've asked them, why are you in favor of this, wind and solar and so on, when it's so destructive and not cheap? I'm glad I'm not there. I read you this story this morning because I'm not the only one out here. And neither are you. We need more noise. We need a lot more noise out there to point out the problems with this alternate form of energy. I'm I'm all for finding new ways to produce energy. That's fine. I, I think it's a great idea that we're constantly looking for new and better ways to do things. Don't subsidize it. Don't force anybody into it. And don't tell me that we have to do it in order to save the planet. I'm going to call you out on all of that. 629 is the time. Coming up on local news, update on your weather forecast. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Even a new case of measles. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods. Live on AM 1030 and the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Six thirty-six the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name's Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Chet and Yoder is telling me my propane tripled. What in price? They just tripled your price. Okay, ordered some three weeks ago. They lie every time I ask. Well, there's energy costs for you, and we keep going the way we're going. It's going to make it a whole lot worse. I want to address something else though. See, this was a, and I'm going to put this in air quote study that I've been talking about the last half hour, done by the Sierra Club which gives failing grades to certain energy-producing industries, but glowing grades to industries that they like. Okay, so who is the Sierra Club to do a study? Now, to be fair, there are some people who really do belong to legitimate research organizations who put a lot of work into research. And so when you look at their conclusions, they're actually based on real studies, real science. And that doesn't mean... They necessarily get everything right, but you can look at these organizations across all sorts of different topics as relatively reliable organizations. But there's so many out there that are not just corrupt, but even just bogus. So the Sierra Club decides they're going to do a study. Why should I take them at their word as experts? Because they said they were? And, of course, the study that they do on energy who they give a failing grade to and who they give a passing grade to is based on a lot of political bias, which is obvious when you look at the study, a lot of political bias. Anybody can do a study, which is why I really was – in fact, I'm even very cynical about awards being handed out. 
over the years, I've seen so many awards being handed out to people that were just completely bogus. So I don't care who wins an Academy Award or an Oscar. You know, for a couple of my books, I have literary awards. Yeah, I've actually won literary awards, and they're garbage. They were the the publisher that I was with set on the board of a group that hands out literary awards, and they wanted to get my books promoted. So they stuck an award on the book, got the book an award, and stuck the on the cover of the book this little symbol that says, hey, winner of such and such a literary award, to try to promote the book as a winner of an award so I would sell more books. So the awards are garbage. Same thing with broadcast awards that I have, which are usually based on, well, just a lot of nonsense in politics in general. So when some group out there says, well, we're going to do a study, well, okay, um, kind of like WalletHub, what exactly do you consider doing a study and why should I consider you an expert? So I was impressed some time ago, Rush Limbaugh, he knew some people who worked with the Nobel Prize Committee. And there's a lot of people on that committee. It's not a small group. And Rush Limbaugh got himself nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Well, why not? Just to prove how idiotic the whole thing is, how illegitimate it is. He got himself nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. And then he claimed it on the air for years after just driving people nuts. Nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. And he was. Just because he asked some friends of his to nominate him. And so there you go. All right. So when, again, I look at Sierra Club, they do a study. Okay, well, why can't I do a study then? Fine. I declare myself an expert in whatever field I want to be an expert in, and I will go ahead and do studies that are just as bad as their studies, and I'll claim all sorts of outrageous things, and then I'll hand out awards. Why not? And my awards are as legitimate as anybody else's. I mean, do we take their awards seriously just because they say so? I bet I could. In fact, I know I could. I could invent an organization. We just got to come up with a name that sounds really legitimate, right? And not tell anybody that it's us. It's you and me. Okay, We'll come up with an organization that really sounds legit, and we won't tell anybody that it's us. And then we'll do all sorts of bogus studies, making outrageous claims. I know this would work because I've given you many times before where even universities do idiotic studies that claim the most outrageous things and they hand out awards. And they're only taken seriously because they have the name of the university. And, of course, the media follows it. as The media will go ahead and hype the study and the award handed out as long as it's saying things that the media wants to hear. Any group out there that hands out awards and does studies in ways that they disagree with will never be mentioned. I know this because I see it all the time. So, yeah, we could do that. We could come up with the name of an organization that sounds legit and crank out a bunch of studies and hand out a bunch of awards, just like the Sierra Club or any other organization does. And then just sit back and wait to see if the media takes it seriously. Shows you what I think. There's a reason that I'm cynical and I have trust issues. I think you understand why. 642, wake up Wyoming. Satellite and radio. Antidote to boring morning radio. This is Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. 
648 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Off to the icebox we go. Frank Gambino is waiting by the... Okay, now, Frank, I understand when we talk about inflation, we have to understand that, you know, things were cheaper way back when, but we also made less money. So it kind of averages out, right? Yeah, it's all relative to what it is. Sure, but still sometimes you look at a price and you think, wow, what a difference. So... Back in 1967, okay. Chevrolet Impala, two-door, hardtop, fully fully equipped. You can buy one for $795. You can, then I think you could have bought a 1967 Pontiac GTO for yeah. about $1,800. Yeah, see? Now, some of these prices I look at here and I think, okay, that price of $795, that would be your monthly payment today. Right, yeah. Yeah, all right. So a Willys Jeep. That was fun. I mean, there's a difference between the Jeep brand Jeep and the Willys Jeep, but the Willys Jeep was the original, mm-hmm. right? Uh, $895. Yeah. Uh, and that's automatic, by the way, not <laughs> stick shift, which Ooh, a lot of well. things back then were stick shift. But a lot of people then were making 5 bucks an hour. Sure. Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying, because back then we made less per year, okay, and things were cheaper. So we have to make this relative. Still, it's kind of shocking. Oh, yeah. yeah. 68 <laughs> Chevrolet. Another Impala four-door hardtop, uh, see, fully equipped, one thousand seven hundred ninety-five dollars. Oh my! God. Mm. I would have bought nine of them. Oh my lord! Yeah. <laughs> okay. I never heard of this one. Roadrunner. I'll have to look that up. Hmm. Hardtop. Uh, oh, and this is used. Uh, real sharp, low mileage. It says uh, sixteen ninety-five. It's a bargain. Yeah. Let's see. There's a two-door hardtop VA automatic. Uh, 64 Ford. It doesn't say what. Again, used. Oh, it has a radio and a heater in it. See? See? Now, okay. But it's used, and you could buy it for $495. Yeah, how much Bondo? That's a good question here. Yeah. Okay. Now, let's see. What what one's the cheapest one? That was the cheapest one there, that, char, that, that, that Ford right there. Mm-hmm. These are all used cars at a used car lot from way back then. The most expensive one... I'm going to have to look up what it is. I have no idea what a Roadrunner is. I've never heard that as a car. i got, I got to remember what it is, too. Okay. Um, it's been a while there. But 3, I do 000, remember... 3000 3, bucks, Something like that, yeah. yeah. I remember my... Uh, the, the movie. There was a movie I was watching from back in the 70s where a guy, uh, a young man wrecked the sports car that Daddy got for him. Mm-hmm. And Daddy was upset because this really hot sports car... Was three thousand dollars, son? Don't you understand? <laughs> it's, it, that's a lot of money now. In women's college basketball, the women cowgirls were picked to finish fourth in the preseason Mountain West Conference poll. UNLV was picked to finish first. The cowgirls did not place anybody on the preseason All-Conference team, but they do have Douglas native Allison Furtick, who was the league's freshman of the year. Cowgirls will be on tour this week in Wyoming with an open practice on Saturday at Kelly Walsh High School in Casper between four and six p.m. Then over to Douglas High School on Sunday for a meet and greet between nine and 10 a.m., and then an open practice on Sunday afternoon between 1 and 3 at the Story Gym in Cheyenne. National Hockey League season is underway, and last night the Colorado Avalanche raised their Stanley Cup championship banner and then proceeded to pound the Chicago Blackhawks by the two. Arturia Lekkonen had two goals for the Avalanche. Our latest Wild Preps volleyball poll is out in 4A. Undefeated Kelly Walsh is number one, Thunder Basin two, and Cody is three. Cody will host Kelly Walsh tonight. Larry comes in fourth and Star Valley fifth. In 3A, Mountain View rated number one, followed by Lyman, Wheatland, Powell, and 
Glenn Douglas over in 2A. Bighorn remains number one. Burns two, right three, Rocky Mountain four, and Sundance five. Finally in 1A, Southeast number one, followed by Riverside, Cokeville, Little Snake River, and KC. High school football in the 4A ranks coming up tomorrow. The big game will be in Casper's third rated Natron at 6 and 1. will host number one Sheridan, who comes in at 7 and 0. All of the 4A games will start at 6 p.m. tomorrow. Gally Walsh will be at home in Casper to meet Thunder Basin. Cheyenne East will be at Cheyenne South. Cheyenne Central on the road to Campbell County and Gillette. And Laramie will be on the road to Rock Springs. Major League Baseball playoffs. Atlanta beat Philadelphia yesterday after a long rain delay. 3 to nothing to even that nationally best of five series in a game apiece. Braves pitcher Kyle Wright threw six innings and gave up two hits. Also in the National League, San Diego beat the LA Dodgers 5-3 to as Manny Machado homered and drove in two runs for the Padres. That series is even in a game apiece. Today in the American League at 1-30, Seattle will be at Houston. Houston leading that deal one game to none. And Cleveland will be in New York to meet the Yankees with New York leading that series one game to none. That's it in sports. I do remember, it's been a while, my father and I went into a convenience store and he thought, when's the last time... I had a candy bar. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, my father was World War II generation, you understand? Yeah. And he goes over and grab, to grab one, and he steps back. <gasps> and he's complaining the whole time we're driving down the road. Candy bar is supposed to be a nickel. Dad, how much did you make back when a candy bar was a nickel? Two bucks an hour. Yeah, probably, yeah. And my father actually did rather well. Yeah. I mean, in his life, he was very successful financially. But still, he just couldn't understand. No, everything is relative, okay, in prices. I don't like that candy's that expensive. No, no I don't And either. it is, yeah. right today. In fact, I think I went up, I went down, I did the same thing. I walked up to a little candy bar counter. I don't really eat candy, but I looked at it and thought, wow, you want over $2 for a candy bar? I know. Over 2 No. No, Frank. Just, no. All right. Yep. We'll do it next hour. Coming up on some... Local business we got to take care of. News time after that. Weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming. The McGinley. Six of time. Wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Hold the calls for just a bit. Guest is joining us on the phone, Brad Murphy. He's from Visit Casper. He's the treasurer there. So they're talking about a lodging tax in that area. And uh, morning, Brad. Oh, wait a second, Brad. Hold on just a second. Let me try this again. Old board. Let's try it again. Morning, Brad. Good morning. Yeah, so I am looking at a lodging tax for the area. Now, I grew up in Florida, and, you know, Florida does not have a state income tax because it has a lodging tax, but then again, you got to realize how much of a tourist industry Florida has. Even though Wyoming is a large tourist industry, Florida's tourist industry is so big, it replaces any kind of an income tax idea. Still, though, on a local level, it looks like it's not a bad idea to maybe... Uh, put a little bit of a tax on those people who are visiting the area. But I also got to wonder at the same time, do you think it discourages people visiting the area? Well, if if you look across the country, Glenn, I mean, 
you really don't see that. You know, okay. when people go to visit, the, a, a small lodging tax doesn't seem to inhibit them to going to travel into other places. Okay. I mean, I just went to Austin, Texas this past weekend, and I paid a lot higher for lodging tax than I did here in Casper, Wyoming. So I really don't think it does okay. you know, affect the visitation rates at all. Okay. Where is the lodging tax usually paid at? Is it just hotels, or are there other places where they'll end up paying it? Yeah, it's just hotels, campgrounds, RV okay. parks, and home shares, you know, like Airbnbs and VRBOs. So, okay. you know, it really does not affect our local uh, taxpayer whatsoever. Okay, so that's why when I show up at a local hotel, they want to know if I'm a Wyoming resident. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. Now, where does that money go? So the 4% tax that is assessed, uh, 2% um, goes to Natrona County, and an additional 2% goes to the local lodging tax. So uh, essentially, you know, part of it goes to visit Casper and part of it goes to Natrona County. Okay. And Casper and Natrona County, do they have something they earmark spending it on? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, essentially, you know, what we use, utilize to visit Casper is to promote our, you know, sports events, our group tours, our meetings, our convention traveler and travelers and, and get those out of town people into our community to spend money here. Okay. So in other words, a lot of the lar- the lodging tax is used to promote people coming to visit here in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I mean, last year in 2021, um, visitors spent $306.3 million in Toronto County okay. from outside the community. Okay. So a lot of that money goes to advertising outside to get more people to come in. Does anything yeah. get uh, spent on any kind of infrastructure for visitors? Uh, there, there is, you know, that's not earmarked for infrastructure. So we can't build, you know, a brand new building or anything like that. You know, it's just to go back to promoting, uh, the city and and the county and to bring people here. So yeah, it's not earmarked for infrastructure. Okay. So now let's take a look. Let's go back to uh, some of the people who pay this because, again, there's hotels, which I just tend to stay at the hotels. But, again, people who are camping somewhere, RV parks are the same. Okay. Um, Anything else that I've missed there as far as who's paying it? Because, I mean, they're not asking me if I'm a resident, if I'm at a restaurant or anything like that. What about any other events that they might go to? So it's pretty much a lodging tax then. I mean, just as you said, it's where you stay. it's where you stay. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. You know, so, and that's why we tap into that outside monies because, you know, when we bring that monies into our community, that helps to promote jobs within our communities as well. I mean, okay. you know, over 2,500 people who work in the Trona County are funded. I mean, their jobs are tied to this lodging tax. Okay. Now, I do see some things listed here, historic trails, interpretive centers, hospitality centers, Things like that are on there. You got a full list of this at Visit Casper, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and you know, what we have programs in those entities. You know, like okay. our our uh, visitor center is in the Historic Trails Interpretive Center, so that's where it's it's uh, hosted at. Okay, so uh, this is where I have heard people, and this is why I opened with the question that I did. People in the state of Wyoming have worried about a lodging tax because yeah, if you live in Wyoming, you work in Wyoming, or even if you recreate, if you live in Wyoming, I hope you're recreating here. A lot of people do. So they travel all over the state and they worry about, well, is that going to increase how much I pay as a Wyoming resident because I have to travel all over the state? And the answer is no. That's why they ask if you're a Wyoming resident when you go to check in. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So uh, for more information about this, where do they go? 
So just go to, you know, visit Casper. You know, you can go to our website, which is www.visitcasper.com, or you can call up the main office and um, they'll help you out. I mean, we're here to accommodate and bring people into our community. That is the bottom line. All right. Brad, thanks for coming on this morning. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Glenn. Thank you. Brad Murphy's with Visit Casper, and they're proposing a lodging tax, which is why he wanted to talk to you guys about that. All right, let's get back to some of the topics I have. Well, there's several people here that are talking to me about uh, the car that I brought up. There's a car called, I was talking with Frank about this last hour. Prices of cars the way they used to be way back in like the 60s. And there was a vehicle called the Roadrunner, which I, I've never heard of that. And a lot of people sent me notes on that. The answer is I have seen the vehicle. I have seen it. I looked it up. I've never heard the name of the vehicle, but I looked it up. Craig is in Yuba. He says every town has one lodging tax. It is not a good reason to tax our guests that way. We it, we invented uh, pay your own way. Okay, well, I think the idea, though, with the lodging tax in this case, Craig, is I looked at it. Because you know me, I'm as small government and as small taxes you can possibly get. So I always worry there are those people who want to try to get tourism into their community. And oftentimes they tax the community to bring tourism into the community. This lodging tax, what they're doing instead is they tax visitors to pay for the advertisement to bring in more visitors. So if you're wondering, if, you, if you're outside of Wyoming and you see a commercial for Visit Wyoming, that was paid for by Wyoming tourists, not by you. That That's the idea, basically, behind the uh, whole lodging tax thing. All right. I have coming up in just a moment a story about um, New Zealand, Wyoming, and cow flatulence. Well, why not? You're having breakfast. Let's go with it. Wake up, Wyoming. It's the day at 888-97-WOODS. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods, live on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Seven nineteen is the time. It's Wake Up, Wyoming. All right, phone's open now. 888-97-WOODS, the phone number, 888-97-WOODS. So I'm putting inside what I was going to talk about for this. This morning I was telling you that I'm waiting for the inflation numbers to come out, maybe some unemployment numbers too. And once again, no matter what the numbers say, the experts will be wrong. You've heard me talk about it before. The experts are always wrong. All right, here's a story. Core U.S. inflation rises to a 40-year high. Yeah, securing big Fed rate hike because the Federal Reserve will try to slow inflation down by raising rates. And of course, Wall Street this morning is just crashing, but all right. Story says, sign up for the new economic and blah, blah, blah. Okay, a closely watched measure of U.S. consumer prices rose more than forecasted. Okay, well, <laughs> and I'm watching a woman. There's a, a little screen on the side of this story. There's a woman from Bloomberg News showing this. And it looks like, if you remember Al Gore when he had the hockey puck graph on his Inconvenient Truth documentary? That falsely showed that temperatures were rising with CO2 levels. And it looked like the graph looked like a hockey stick, right? Well, that was fake. But this is real. And it's the same kind of graph, but instead it's inflation. And the forecasters, once again, I'm going to read that sentence again. Consumer prices rose more than forecasted. See, now I've, I've had long, I've, I've spent like 
two hours one time on the air talking about why the experts are always wrong and how do we keep turning to them. But all right. So this is a 40-year high. That pressures the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates even more. The core consumer price index, which excludes food and energy increases. I wonder what it would be like if they included it. Uh, for a year high since 1982, said the Labor Department, overall increase, and it talks about 8.2% from a year. Medium forecast Bloomberg uh, survey of, of economists talked about a slight increase, not this. All right. The ad- advanced broad-based shelter food medical service indexes were the largest of many contributors. Gas prices have actually, they started to decline, but they went back up just a little bit. The report stresses how high inflation has broadened across the economy, ending, well, eroding your paycheck, basically, forcing many to rely on savings and credit cards to keep up, which is bad because now you have not just inflation, but inflation plus the interest you have to pay, which is also going up. While consumer price growth is expected to moderate in the coming months, hold on, why should I believe that? After the experts got that wrong, the next line here is consumer prices are expected to moderate next in the, in the coming months. Why would I believe that they're going to moderate after the experts continue to get this wrong? All right. I, it's just very typical. I'm not going to believe what the experts have to say. I'm going to wait to see what the numbers say. Judy is in Casper. Morning, Judy. Hey, you wanted to know how the planning and zoning went after it was done? Right. Or over our land use plans up here and stuff? Uh-huh. Okay, now this, um, I just started, I read through their uh, proposals, and the first one that caught my eye was uh, number six, general nuisances. Right. This entire section is exactly what Dana and I stood in Toronto County about mm-hmm. and won. Everything that they've got in there from uh, inoperable vehicles to uh, setbacks to uh, <clears throat> having uh, where is it hazardous materials, I can understand that. But the fact is, the reason that we stood in Toronto County over this and these guys are out of Fort Collins, if you can believe that. That explains everything to me. Okay. Because that's what they did last time is we spent 200, well, this time it's $233,000 to have somebody from Colorado to come up here and tell us how to use our land. Right. So the room was full and people were mad and um, it didn't seem like, uh, let's see, the planning and zoning guys, Hal Hutchinson is lead up of it. And Jason Gutierrez, which is one of the guys I went up against back in uh, 2012 or 2010 and 2012. These guys, um, they're the ones that voted for this land use plan. And there are several that voted against it, as well as uh, several. I talked to several of the commissioners yesterday and got the lowdown from them. They're not happy with uh, a bunch of stuff that's in here. And one guy got up and he said, oh, well, you know, if we don't adopt this the way it is, then uh, uh, we're going to have to spend more money and more time putting it together and blah, blah, blah. Well, I asked one of the commissioners, I was like, so what? If it's wrong, it's wrong. And if it's not accurate and it's uh, re- restricting people from the use of their properties, we don't belong to a homeowners association. Mm-hmm. This is Mitchell County. We're not Colorado. 
if we wanted to be Colorado, we would have elected a Colorado Board of Commissioners. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Anyway, um, the room was full. People were mad. And the next meeting is next Tuesday at 530. And I suggest anyone who's interested in their land use in in, uh, Natrona County be there because I'm going to lay it out for them. I'm going to give them a copy of my uh, 19-page decision by Judge Sullen stating that uh, grandfathering use of property, they can't touch you. And that's why I spent the money I did. And secondly, um, a, a certain amount of keeping your property up, yes, I can understand. But when they start doing these, this is almost word for word out of the 2000 nuisance ordinance that we kicked the poop out of. Right. Because of all of the, the restrictions on there. What how, your pole barns and how far backs and fencing and hiding your uh, stuff. And, you know, that's what not why you buy property in the county. Right. You buy property in the county so you can do what you want. So if your daughter and son lose their jobs, you can put an extra trailer on the back for them to live. Well, according to this, you got to ask their permission. No, we're not going to do this. Okay. So, I so let me just, uh, so people get a little better understanding of what you're talking about. Because you did mention, you know, it, it, if let's say someone has a yard filled with just junk, I mean, it's just piled high then maybe there's a problem there, and would you agree that the county should be able to say or do something about that if the place is just trash? If it's just trash. Yeah, okay. Yeah, to a degree, but... Okay, but now, now on the other hand, now I agree with what you're saying here. So let's say you are out in the county and you decide you want to put up a shed, or for that matter, you're going to drop a trailer in there for some family members. You don't think you should have to ask the county's permission, you're just going to go ahead and do it? Correct. Okay. Okay, so now, where are we at? Because are we done with our meetings now? Or it sounds to me like you're saying they still have more meetings on this. Uh, there's there's going to be another meeting on December 6th, but I'm going to go to next Tuesdays, and I'm going to I'm doing it right now. I'm making out all of the things that are wrong with this one, and I'm going to give them a copy, like I said, of my decision from Judge Sullins, right. and I'm going to try to give it to them early so that they can understand that uh, the like asking is under general nuisance refuge yards, salvage or oil reduction yards is permitted in certain zoning districts. Okay, it's got to be within closed of a building and all that bull. No, that's not what it is. Okay, this is one of the things that I I got them on. Anyway, uh, next Tuesday, five thirty, and then again December sixth, five thirty. That'll be the final hearing on it, uh, whether they adopt it or not. And I asked uh, two of the commissioners yesterday, I said, you know, why don't you guys table this until after the new board takes their seat? Because then we can work with them a little bit more and maybe put some critique to this. You can't right. just go out there willy-nilly and tell people, well, okay, now you don't, you don't get to have more than one car on your property. Out in the county, that's city ordinance. State ordinance doesn't say anything like that. And that's what the county has to run by is state ordinances. Or state laws, not not ordinances. They can't just make things up. Okay. And that's what they're doing here again. It's exactly the same thing we fought them on the first time. And we're going to go after them again if they do this. Okay. So when, so, when you talk about the new board being seated, I lost track. How many people were replaced or turned over? In- I think there'll be. I think there'll be four new commissioners or okay. three or four. I'm that's sure. pretty. That's pretty substantial. That's quite a turnover. Yeah. And why why can't we just table it until after that? Okay. Are there, would you consider those people that would be friendly to your cause that are coming on the board? 
Absolutely. Okay. All right. That's, so that's what most of ran on was property rights and uh, right. defending against overreach. And this, you know, I don't know if I told you this, but back in 2010, I brought in Rosa Core. Um, she's a big sustainable development gal. She's a uh, yeah. real estate uh, lawyer out of California. Mm. She's a lesbian Democrat, if you can believe that. She's a wonderful woman. Okay. And we threw her in, and she explained exactly what Agenda 21 was. And this right. is exactly what Agenda 21 is. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> if you want to grab the big book on uh, when United Nations Agenda, I think it's uh, United Nations Agenda 2030, Chapter 7 is planning and zoning section of it. And it almost reads pervadum. Yeah, what they exactly were doing there. what they're doing here. Uh, I got to run to news time. Thanks for calling in, Jerry. Coming up on 729. Update on your weather forecast comes right after local news. More open phones. Wake up, Wyoming. on a soggy morning porch paper. You need Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods, 888-97-Woods, phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. I'm just looking something up. This kind of stuff always fascinates me. It, now, this story has been around for just a little while, but I think it's worth bringing up again. There's a reason why, a real good reason why, um, such a tightwad with your money. I'm talking taxpayer money. Right? So whenever someone comes up with a project that, that they want done, whatever the project is, my, one of my first questions is, who's paying for this? So let's take a look. We're going to Los Angeles, California. Have you heard of this, what's supposed to be a sculpture? It's not, though. But they say it's a sculpture. It's called Levitated Mass. Right, and what this is, is they wanted some kind of a sculpture near the city hall, right? <clears throat> so there's a trench that's dug with cement on either side of the trench, right? So you can walk through. There's a you know you're on a sidewalk, cement sidewalk, cement walls, and you go down and back up again. Now, which are it's open air except for one thing at the top. You're going to go underneath a really, really, really large boulder. Now, that's what the sculpture is supposed to be, called levitated mass. And so I'm looking at a picture of this right now, and I wonder. How in the world do they come up with something like this uh, for $10 million, which is no way that this thing is worth $10 million? It's a massive rock. Now, I understand they had to cut the rock out of a mountainside, move the rock all the way down from the mountains to Los Angeles, and then place it. But that's still not $10 million, though. Let's see. This is uh, the Herculean effort. And the, the local media chronicles this. What a Herculean effort to get this done. This wonderful. Th it's a big rock. I mean, and you look at it. If you want to Google this, take a look at it. Just type in Los Angeles levitated mass. And you'll see. Again, there's a walkway. You head down a ramp and underneath and back up the other side. Cement side walls. Cement walkway underneath. And in the middle of it, you just look up and there's this big rock above your head. 
Huge rock. That's it. $10 million. This is supposed to be some big kind of a thing. Now, this reminds me some years ago I was talking about a thing called carbon sink at the University of Wyoming. University, some of you might remember this. University of Wyoming, I forget how much money it was, but they took a bunch of money and they gave it to a guy who said he's an artist. And they said, go create a sculpture for this area on the university grounds. And so he took this money, and I forget how much, I have to look it up, I think it was several hundred thousand dollars, but anyway, I have to look up the exact amount. And what he did was he went up into the mountains there near Medicine Bow and so on, and he took a bunch of uh, dead trees that were killed by pine beetle, and he cut them up into logs, about the same kind of logs you would use to split for your fireplace wood, right? And then he went into the university grounds where they told him to put the sculpture. And he made a big spiral with these logs. Which if you take a look at how much it cost him to do that, he was really pocketing a lot of money. And he called it carbon sink. And he complained. It it was basically a climate change argument against the use of coal and other such energies that are produced in Wyoming, in which case there was outrage. And even at the time, Speaker of the House Tom Lubnow wrote a letter to the University of Wyoming reminding them where they get a lot of their funding from. My major complaint was the university at the time, they wanted some kind of art there. So they just gave the guy a bunch of money and said, here, do something. Now, if I was in charge of a project like that, I wouldn't want taxpayer money to do it at all. But let's just say I'm in charge anyway, and my job is to find some artist to put a sculpture up. Well, first off, I'm going to, I don't, I want to know exactly what the artist wants to do. Show me what you're going to create. Make a small model of it, scale model of it, that I can hold in my hands and look at it and explain to me what the sculpture means. And it's got to be something that people can walk up to and look at and go, oh, I get it, just by looking at it. Not like this big rock in Los Angeles that just sits there. It's just a big rock, $10 million for the rock. You know, I would never just hand money to somebody and say, well, just do whatever. And then assume that they're going to spend several hundred thousand dollars responsibly. I'm also going to ask the artist, so you want to do this sculpture, and this is the meaning of the sculpture. So how much is this sculpture going to cost us? And then I want to negotiate the cost with them. I'm not just going to let them have it. But what UW did at the time is they just gave the guy all this money and said, okay, go do something. Well, of course he's going to spend very little of the money on the project and pocket most of it, right? Then, of course, he has to do something that's insulting to the very people who contribute a lot of money that keeps UW running. 742, Wake Up Wyoming. Talk on the air. Sorry, but we had a budget. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. This is K2 Radio. 745 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. And thanks to Don Day. Don, I went for a nice long walk yesterday, and it was just gorgeous outside. And I just want to express my appreciation. You're welcome. Yeah, okay. And then today, I got to head on down to Cheyenne, Wyoming, for Thankful Thursday. And I know that I'm looking at the wind, and I'm thinking, I'm going to get great gas mileage on the way down. 
Well, yeah, there's this stiff wind from the northwest aloft is on top of us again. And as we've been mentioning over the last couple of days, nuisance wind, nothing awful, but nuisance. And this will be especially true over the eastern counties of the state. Uh, the western side of the state, not much wind. But even with the wind, Glenn, it's October 13th. Yeah. You know, we're just kind of coasting along here, really yeah. living a good life with the weather so far. Yeah, and that's what's making me nervous. We talked about that already. But all right, I did notice when I was watching your podcast yesterday. There are some areas, let's say northern Bighorns, places like that, that have just gotten like a touch of the white stuff. Yeah, that front that came in uh, earlier this week did uh, bring the northern parts of the Bighorns uh, two, three inches of snow uh, mm-hmm. and other higher elevations. There's another little front that'll sneak in on Saturday. That'll bring some snow showers to probably the Bighorns again. But you know that's that's the most excitement we've seen here for the past week. And this front Saturday is the most excitement we'll see for probably a week. Um, we see high pressure building in uh, behind the cold front Sunday, lasting through next week. There's a big log jam. There's going to be a big low in the nation's midsection, the Great Lakes, New England. The, some of the first snow of the fall season is going to hit areas as far far south as the West Virginia mountains by the middle of next week. So okay. if you want to know where the cold uh, weather is, that's where it's going to yeah. be on the other side of the U.S. So now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I seem to remember about this time last year, the situation was reversed. We were really in the cold and the wet and the snow, and that part of the country is wondering when's fall and winter coming. Right, and that's how it works. When this side of the country is under high pressure, the low, the eastern side of the country is the opposite. And so that's what's going on right now. The stormy weather's in the east. High pressure is going to be in the west. Now, this will flip. Uh, we will see a, a 180 in this pattern, but it's going to take seven to nine days for it to evolve. It's going to not happen right away. Uh, but when you, you hear about bad weather in the east, that means good weather here. All right. Thank you, Don. Non day with day weather. So I get, you get to enjoy this for just a little while longer, maybe another week or so. Off we go to talk to Frank Gambino. He's over there in the icebox. Uh, Frank, when you're sort of tooling around town late at night, and you ever notice that there's porches that have different color porch lights? Yeah, some are red. Yeah, so they, some are blue. You know, the, you know the, I'm not sure it's the red light district. Okay, but, now yeah. this is, okay, there is a story on the Wake Up Wyoming site about this. Yeah. So, blue bulbs, law enforcement, also autism awareness. Okay. Oh, I, I had no idea about then that. I had no idea. Either. Green bulbs, uh, veterans of military. Okay. Also, I didn't know this, people who are suffering from Lyme disease. I had never heard of that one before. But mostly it's veterans of the military. Okay. Now, every time I see a red light, right away I'm thinking of what you're thinking. Yeah. Oh, red light district. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. American yeah. Heart Association and firefighters. Okay. Do, do those two organizations know it's it's... The red light's yeah. original, I, original meaning yeah, they, So they might want to change that. Yeah. They might want to put up a sign, not what you think. Yeah, good one. That would be good. Yeah. Okay. Purple bulbs. I haven't seen that one yet. No, not, even, not, not many. Okay, domestic violence. Okay. Orange bulbs. You should see those coming up soon. Halloween. Halloween, yes. Yeah, okay. Pink bulbs. Breast cancer awareness. And our friend DJ Nike, when it's breast cancer awareness night, he, he shows up wearing all pink. Yep. He's, he's, he's totally on board. I mean, I'm going to ask him next time, what color are your socks? And I don't want to see your underwear. Never mind. Okay. So now I have yeah. like a regular light yeah, bulb that right. goes outside. Just a white light? Yeah, pretty much. Mm. What, 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 yeah, what is that? Yeah, okay. Uh, mid, Nothing, right? Middle-aged white guy? I don't know. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, Yellow yeah. bulb. Uh, let me see. Reduces bugs, basically. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. You put a, I didn't know that. Okay. You put a yellow bulb out there. 
and it does, you don't get as many bugs flying around the bulbs. Hmm. I had no idea what was the case. Okay. You can also buy, and these, these are kind of fun, you can buy a light bulb that will put up any color you want, and it comes with a little remote. Really? There are some light bulbs that doesn't come with a remote. Instead, it comes with an app for your phone. But either way, so you want to change the from, color of your porch light. From blue to red to yes. green, you know? Yeah. Now, my sister's listening from Lake Wales, Florida. She ought to enjoy this. Our oldest niece, when we were building the family cabin, she asked me, because she's looking at the wires inside the walls, Uncle Glenn, why are there different color wires running through the walls? Well... I'm going to seize on this opportunity, right? Well, the white wire is for the white lights in the house. The yellow wire, that's the yellow porch light, you see. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then the black wire, that's to your washer and dryer that takes a lot of electricity. It wasn't until she was 19 years old she looked at me and went, hey, well, I'm your uncle. What do you expect I'm going to do here? <laughs> you just tell them what you know. Women's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowgirls, were picked to finish fourth in the preseason Mountain West Conference poll. UNLV was picked to finish first. The Cowgirls uh, did not place anybody on the preseason all-conference team, but they do have a returning star, Douglas native Allison Furtick, who was the league's freshman of the year. Cowgirls will be on tour this week in Wyoming with an open practice on Saturday at Kelly Walsh High School in Casper between 4 and 6. Then over to Douglas High School on Sunday for a meet and greet between 9 and 10 a.m. Then a practice on Sunday afternoon between 1 and 3 at the Story Gym in Cheyenne. National Hockey League season is underway. Last night, the Colorado Avalanche raised their Stanley Cup championship banner, then proceeded upon the Chicago Blackhawks 5-2. Arturi Lekkanen had a two goals for the Avalanche. Our latest Wild Preps volleyball poll is out in 4A undefeated Kelly Walsh is number one. Thunder Basin two, Cody three. Cody will host Kelly Walsh tonight. Laramie is four and Star Valley is five. In 3A, Mountain View rated number one, followed by Lyman, Wheatland, Powell, and Douglas. And in 2A, Bighorn still number one. Burns two, right three, Rocky Mountain four, and Sundance five. Finally in 1A, Southeast number one, followed by by Riverside, Cokeville, Little Snake River, and KC. In high school football, in the 4A ranks coming up tomorrow, the big game will be in Casper. His third rated in the Trone at 6-1 will host number one Sheridan, who comes in at 7-0. All of the 4A games tomorrow will start at 6 p.m. Kelly Walsh will be at home in Casper to meet Thunder Basin. Cheyenne East will be at Cheyenne South with Cheyenne Central on the road to Campbell County and Gillette. Laramie will be on the road at Rock Springs. Major League Baseball playoffs, Atlanta beat Philadelphia yesterday 3-0 to even that nationally best of five series at a game apiece. Braves pitcher Kyle Wright threw six innings, gave up two hits. Also in the National League, San Diego beat the LA Dodgers 5-3 on the road. Manny Machado homered and drove in two for the Padres. That series is even at a game apiece. Today in the American League at 1.30, Seattle will be at Houston with Houston leading that deal one game to none, and Cleveland will be in New York with the Yankees leading that deal one game to none. That's in sports for now. So we're heading for the weekend already. Frank, what are you doing? Well, tonight I'm going to be over in Pavilion for a football game. Okay. Tomorrow, I am not exactly sure what yeah. I've decided to come up with it's uh yeah what, 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 what do they call that tba okay tba yeah i i, I to be announced yeah to be announced okay and and i mean it, it'd be like somehow sometimes you know those coaches say it's a it's a game time decision yeah well so i may not decide words, until <laughs> there's a lot of really close games and you just don't know which one yet. no actually they're farther than i thought they would oh, be okay. and it's kind of hard to pair one with another <laughs> because they're five hours <laughs> the, the two yeah. events roughly in the same area are like five hours apart oh, what would okay. you do for five hours yeah, oh well yeah you drive i guess go to the library i get yeah take uh, a nap judge. yeah i take a nap at the library yeah, i'm sure you can yeah, figure yeah, out yeah, something yeah, to do yeah. go, to a, my go, own to, go to a movie or something yeah i can do that a couple of movies for five hours. Well, right. yeah, sure. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business that we have to take care of. We're rolling to news time after that. National local update on your weather forecast. Open phones in the 8 o'clock hour. It's Wake Up Wyoming.
she posted about... Six to time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. We're at open phones right now, which means you can talk about what I'm talking about, change the subject. Fine. I'll just kind of roll with the whole thing. Start us off. We got Tammy and Casper about that big rock in Los Angeles, California. Morning, Tammy. Well, good morning, Glenn. How are you? I am over caffeinated, which is a state I try to stay in most all the time. Okay. Well, then I have to tell you that I'm yeah. disappointed. Oh. You should know why they have this big lot rock in Los Angeles. You say that <laughs> yeah. Bugs Bunny was your cartoon hero. Yes, my childhood hero. Yes, so, was Bugs. Yeah. Yes, your your childhood hero. Yeah. Okay, so you you got to watch real cartoons, and I know this because we're roughly the same age. Uh-huh. So just envision that that rock was bought from Acme. Okay. By the coyote. So what and I it's need a trap okay, for okay. the roadrunner. So what I need to do then is I need to sneak in there and do some graffiti and spray paint yeah. a coyote underneath and now it's art. I get or, it. Or you need to get a stuffed coyote. <laughs> yes. Or something. Yeah. Okay, see then it would be but, true art. Yes. Or just write Acme on the rock. So, it, yes. Okay, so if I did, you are brilliant. So if I did something like this, then I should be able to charge them another $10 million. You should. Yeah. Why? And it would be perfect. I mean, Fun, that's yeah. just my warped sense of humor. Yeah. But can you imagine putting like a little roadrunner on the other side yeah. where he's just running out of there like crazy and the coyote gets smashed? Okay, so if I have... A roadrunner standing on top of the rock and a coyote <gasps> underneath the rock looking like he's afraid because he's about to get hit. Yeah, oh, see. perfect. There. Perfect. Now, and then I get $10 million from the city of Los Angeles, California. Oh, this is brilliant. You see, you just found a way to make money out of stuff that is not art at all. <clears throat> yeah. Brilliant. Thank you for calling. I feel so much better this morning, Tammy. Okay, I'm glad I could help. Have All a right, good day. Not a problem. She just made my day. If you missed it, what I was talking about last hour is, in, you might have heard of this, in Los Angeles, California, and Tammy's right. I say it that way because my childhood hero, Bugs Bunny, pronounced it Los Angeles. Do not tell me that Bugs was wrong. That was my hero. So in Los Angeles, California, they spent $10 million. So what they did was it's a... Uh, a walkway that goes down a ramp and then back up again with cement walls on the side, right? And as you go underneath there, down and back up, up above your head is this massive rock, massive, which took them a lot of work, a lot of engineering to get that rock down from the mountain and place it there. That cost $10 million. That's supposed to be art. I am a tightwad with the taxpayer's money. That came from now. If private interest wanted to pay for that piece of junk, fine, because it's private interest. It's their money. They can do whatever they want with it. But that's not the case here. This was public money, taxpayer money. But what she's saying is, I can go ahead. Long as people are ripping off the city of Los Angeles with garbage like this, then fine. I will too. Let's just go ahead and make like a roadrunner coyote thing out of it. 
And then we're, there we are. And I can get $10 million out of them, too. Now, think about all of the other ways that we could milk. In fact, this might, hey, let's do a Robin Hood thing. See, I'd also complain when I told you that story last hour, that the University of Wyoming some years ago did what was supposed to be a piece of art, it wasn't, called Carbon Sink. And they gave a uh, hundred some thousand or whatever dollars to what's a guy who claimed to be an artist who took a bunch of cut up logs that had beetle kill from up in the snowy range area. And he arranged it in a spiral, yeah, which means most of the money went into his pocket. And they called that art. And he called it carbon sink because he was complaining about how coal causes global warming, in which case Speaker of the Wyoming House of Representatives, Tom Lovenow, wrote a letter to the University of Wyoming. You guys know where your funding comes from, right? But in that case, see, since they're just going to hand out money like that, and they didn't even ask the guy what he was going to do. Here's a hundred some thousand dollars. Just go make something and call it art. Rather than asking him what he was going to do and how much it was going to cost and why it was going to cost that much, and then maybe negotiating on the price. But even then, I don't want taxpayer money going for something like that. If University of Wyoming is looking at an empty green area and they're thinking, hey, it'd be nice to have a sculpture here of some kind, fine. Go have fundraisers and raise money privately. That means people are voluntarily giving up their money for this project. It's not being taken from the taxpayers. Get a stuffed coyote, says um, Chet and Yoder. Jim in Laramie. Oh, Instahole. It took me a second to what you're talking about. Instahole. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Jim. In fact, Jim, it, well, the Instahole thing was an Acme invention that you saw on the Roadrunner cartoons. Yeah, the, road, the, the coyote, or was it either one, would throw up a hole, and they would be able to go through it. Do you know, Jim, there was a guy who had painted, you can find this online, he went to, there was a road that goes to a, the base of a bridge, which is like a wall, and then the road makes a right-hand turn. So he went and painted a what looked like a way to drive through, and then they had to remove it because somebody actually tried to. <laughs> they thought it was, a, and late at night, it looked like you could actually drive through the thing, and somebody tried to. But Instahole would be great, too. It's a, I often look around, wherever you live, you might live in a city or a town somewhere where there's statues around town, which I actually think is a lot of fun. I like walking around a downtown area and seeing all sorts of statues and other artwork. I love the idea. I love it when I look at the side of a building and somebody has painted a beautiful mural on the side of a building. I just think that's the coolest thing and one of the best ways to decorate a town is doing big murals like that. There's all sorts of towns around Wyoming that have them. My question has always been the same thing. And who's paying for that? Because remember, I'm a tightwad with your money. Taxpayer money go to it? No. Absolutely not. That's not what taxpayer money is for. But if you want to go ahead and do a fundraiser where people voluntarily reach into their pockets and say, yes, that's a great idea. I will pay for that. And there's been plenty of times here on this very radio program where I've helped people with fundraisers like that by getting the word out and even donated some of my own time 
and my own money for a project like that because I thought it was a great idea. And these are people saying, yes, I want to do this to beautify my community, and so they voluntarily give their money. I'm okay with that. Do whatever you want to do. And if what you put up is not a piece of art, but it's a piece of junk that you call art, that's okay, too, because it was your money. You do whatever you want to do with your own money. It's your money. Even if I think it's not art, but it's just trash. Even if your art makes a political statement that I disagree with, did you do it with your own money? Then I'm okay with it. Don't do it with taxpayer money. Taxpayer money should be collected only when necessary and only the money that is absolutely necessary for the project and then should be spent wisely. Currently, none of what I just said is happening. 815, wake up, Wyoming. Be ready. On K2 Radio, join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. It's the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Trigger warning. Warning. This show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, Torons, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. Okay, so I played that for what's coming next. But nothing too bad here. But some of you people are still eating breakfast and so on. I understand that. Cowboy State Daily, New Zealand's livestock fart tax is a disastrous policy for Wyoming, ag expert says. Yes, they actually are proposing a fart tax. I know, but let's get into it, because some people want to do that here. They really do. A lifelong Wyoming rancher says a proposal in New Zealand to tax greenhouse gas emission from animals, both ends, by the way, could set a dangerous, irresponsible precedent for the agricultural community. New Zealand's governments move forward to Tuesday. Pause. See, I always have, I get irritated whenever somebody says moving forward. Yeah, they always talk about moving forward as if it's a good thing. Well, moving forward is not always a good thing. Sometimes you're moving forward in the wrong direction, and you need to turn around. So they move forward with this ridiculous plan. Now, the plan that would make the country the world's first to enact a tax on the climate impact from animal emissions, both ends of the animal, including methane and infused burps and urination Arguments in favor of the tax include claims it would be an economic boon for the nation that uh, the money collected could be funneled into more climate change-related research. Which you know, of course, is a big fraud and waste of money, too. But all right, here we... So they're going to ruin the economy. People are going to show up at the store to try to buy meat, poultry, beef, stuff like that. The price is going to be outrageously high. And the money... That they make, it, this is really going to hurt their economy. But what money is made off of it is going to research something that is a fraud. All right. To use the phrase, the story says, people at Cowboys say Daily would understand. Wyoming Stock Rose Association Executive Vice President essentially calls the proposal a pile of meadow muffins. 
It's not possible, he said, of the New Zealand claims that taxing livestock emissions could be economical. The mechanics of this are unthinkable and not practical at all. I love the next line. Um, he poo-pooed the claims. <laughs> Cattle and livestock are a major contributor to climate change. Now, by the way, climate change, I'll do this again. I'm always going to answer it every time I see it. Climate change is natural, and it's not always bad. There's good climate change, too. But it happens naturally. And what was going on before human beings started really going after these animals? There used to be a time. Think about where you live, right? There used to be a time that these plains out here were just jam-packed with all sorts of animals. Well, what was going on then? I mean, they complain about somebody driving an SUV or a big pickup truck. Well, let's take a look at before humans were really around in any great number. There were massive herds of animals out here, all farting and burping. So, so what was happening to the climate then? This is all part of a natural cycle, by the way. And what good does taxing it really do? Yeah, well, we get to put research into climate change because of the tax. Y yeah, again, it, research into a fraud. Yeah, okay, anyway. Quotes, the impact of grazing animals on the environment with carbon and methane in the United States is really negligible, he said. In the U.S., the way we handle animals, the true data shows, in terms of methane emissions, are somewhere in the neighborhood of 2%. And New Zealand's a lot smaller than that. So the New Zealand prime minister touted the tax on farm animals as a competitive advantage. Of course he does. No, he's actually going to try to sell this. No, no, no. We tax animals farting and belching. It's a competitive advantage. That's a politician for you. For her country, because customers are more climate conscious and will choose to buy products raised in a more responsible way. See, the tax is really there more than anything else to crush the industry, isn't it? New Zealand farmers are set to be the first in the world to reduce agricultural emissions. Uh, positioning our biggest, this is what this uh, prime minister says, positioning our biggest export market for the competitive advantage and bringing in a world increasingly discerning about the uh, provenance of their food. Boy, again, spoken like a politician. The country's agricultural minister also touted the tax as an incentive for farmers and ranchers to address their industry's impact on the environment. Quote, farmers are already experiencing the impact of climate change with more regular droughts and flooding, which is not true. We are not getting more regular droughts and flooding because of this. Taking the lead on agricultural emissions is both good for the environment and our economy. Let's see if you'll bear with me just a moment. I was listening to something yesterday, and I think I may have saved it here. Ah, yes, okay. From the CO2 Coalition, um, this is an interview with Greg Wrightstone about what's happening with climate. And this guy is a climatologist. So let's executive director, Greg Wrightstone. He's a climatologist and he's with the CO2 Coalition. So let's talk to an actual and listen to an actual scientist and what he really has to say about this. 
not what these fools are saying. Okay, you can go to CO2 like Coalition online. Tornadoes up, but really a very quiet tornado season again this year in America, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it's tornadoes definitely. The big ones have been in decline for sure. Uh, especially, we, we know that for a fact since the beginning of the Doppler radar, when when that was fully developed, uh, we they, they capture now every tornado that, that forms and touches down. We know that it's the long term going back to the 30s, the 20s, the late 1800s. A lot of these tornadoes just touched down. Nobody knew it. You know, in some godforsaken field in Kansas or a mountain in Colorado, they didn't know about it. So what NOAA has recommended is using. Uh, the, the biggest ones, F3, F4, F5 tornadoes. Uh, and that, they can take that back to, to the 1950s. And we see that for sure there's been a decline. When we talk about hurricanes, also NOAA says uh, we should, for long-term hurricane uh, charting, we should just use landfalling hurricanes in the United States. Because they said we, even back in the 1800s, if a, if a hurricane made landfall somewhere on the Gulf Coast or on the Eastern Seaboard, they would know about it. So we're able to capture those, and those have definitely been in decline. And that's a good thing. So there you go. From a actual climatologist and president of the CO2 Coalition. So here's somebody who's saying, oh, no, all of this is on the rise. It is not, actually, when you listen to what the real scientists have to say. So here's the uh, Back to the Cowboy State Daily article. So New Zealand's claims that taxing livestock emissions would be economical don't hold much water for ranching families. Quote, there's no real profitability in the livestock business today as it is. Adding an extra tax could put a lot of family operations out of business. These people are dedicated to their lifestyle and their industry. And, and there you go. The point of all of this really is those people who want to put livestock industries out of business. Quote, any tax like that would spell the end of the livestock industry in the state of Wyoming. Which, again, is their goal, isn't it? Coming up on, oh, RH in Wiggins, Colorado. Hey, Glenn, did the Arapaho and Cheyenne tribes tax tens of millions of bison roaming planes a couple hundred years ago? Endless buffalo herds, as far as the eye can see. Oh, no, exactly. No, I don't think you understand. See, what wiped out and ended the Indian tribes was the federal government came along and taxed the Indians for all of the bison herds that they had out here. And it just ruined those tribes. That's what happened. That's why the that's why the government started killing all of the bison, because of climate change. Didn't you know that? Let's wake up, Wyoming. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join in at 888-97-WOODS. Six thirty-six the time. It's Wake Up, Wyoming. We're at open phone, so 888-97-WOODS, the phone number. That's 888-97-WOODS. Talk about what I'm talking about. Change the subject. Fine. I'll just kind of roll with it. Mike is in Laramie. He wants to go back to the subject of taxes. Morning, Mike. Good morning, Glenn. Yes, sir. This thing is just showing that these these enviro Nazis are just a bunch of scientific illiterate. Yeah, I mean it's burping, and that's just natural byproduct of digestion yeah, exactly going on right. for hundreds of millions of years. Yeah. Well, this is why. How would you mitigate it? Well, this is where I came up with a theory. So, R. H. Who's in Wiggins, Colorado? 
He wanted to know, did we tax the Cheyenne and Arapaho for all of the yeah. bison herds that are out there? And I'm <laughs> thinking the first thing that the federal government did was tax them for all of the bison farts and belches, right? But then we had to go in and wipe out the bison herds because they were causing climate change. I think that's why we really did that. Uh, well, maybe we should go tax the Maasai over in East Africa for all those wildebeest in the Serengeti Plains. Okay. I mean, let's what go about yeah. What about the farts and burps from 7.7 billion human beings? Oh, okay. So basically, you want a personal gas tax. If they're going to follow in their line of logic, yeah. Sure, okay. Glad we had this little talk, Mike. Triple eight ninety seven Woods a phone number that's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. No, I'm going with that theory. I'm running with this. So you think about it. Why? Because we were always damned for this. The white man came along and wiped out the buffalo herds. Well, we were just fighting climate change, you know. For those people who want to bring back the bison herds, well, I thought you wanted to get rid of cows. What do you think the bison are going to do? And what about when hunters are going out there and killing pronghorn and what, whatever else you hunters, because it is hunting season, and they get mad at you because you're going out there and you're killing nature. Just tell them you're fighting climate change. There's all those animals out there and they're outgassing. And someone's got to reduce the population to save the planet. So that's what you're doing. You're reducing the population to save the planet. Okay? Just use their own, I'll put it in quotes, logic against them on this. And see what kind of reaction you get. When they look at you and go, well, that's just stupid. The answer is, yes, it is, isn't it? Yes, that, that was very stupid, wasn't it? And at some point, even their own brains will start to go, oh, yeah, just like what I said. Dave in Wells County. Hi, Dave. Hey, Glenn. I'm out here in my big green tractor. Uh, but, um, you know, we're talking about crappy subject, right? And uh, the deal is that nobody is bringing up, should we tax the municipalities all around the world for their open lagoon water treatment system? Oh, wow. Because that's that's got to release a lot of gas, huh? That is probably the biggest release of gas known to man. Okay. So so if we tax it, does it just solve the problem because we charge them money for it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely okay. not. But, oh, I mean, right. if they want to tax us for raising beef and then uh, you just tax uh, it, yeah. products, but, okay. uh, I mean, that just leaves it wide open for that tax to be brought in. So, we, yeah, we have to ask then how many things does government do that affects climate change and then tax the government for it exactly okay we'll do that and, but here's what i want to do though not specifically tax the government because that's taxing us i want to tax the people who are actually in government the politicians well, and the either, bureaucrats either that or we we make it a tax reduction rebate ah okay That'll work for me. All right, thanks. 840 is the time. 888 what's the phone number? This reminds me, I grabbed a quote, one of my favorite economists of all times, Thomas Solwell. This relates to what we're talking about. Now, the reason Thomas Solwell was such a great economist is he was a young black man in a southern 
neighborhood that was poor. And he got himself out of poverty by working his way out. He went to college because he worked his way through college. And he owned businesses. That's why he understood economics, because he owned businesses. That he started himself, by the way, as he clawed his way out of a poor black neighborhood in the South. Then he finally got his degree in economics. And because he understood economics intimately, he began to write about it actually intelligently. He wrote, it's hard to imagine a more stupid or more dangerous way of making decisions than by putting those decisions in the hands of people who pay no price for being wrong. Think about this for a minute, because this relates exactly to what we're talking about. With all of these pie-in-the-sky ideas, fighting climate change, all this kind of stuff, whatever it might be, you're talking about politicians and bureaucrats who, if they implement their ideas at great cost to you, your wallet, your business, if their idea is completely wrong or just utterly fails, nothing happens to them. They're still going to get their paycheck. They're still going to get their big pension. Nothing happens to them. But let's take instead if you, you own a business and you make a bad decision. Oh, it's going to cost you. You're going to feel that pain because that affects your income. And you probably know, being a businessman, you probably know, or businesswoman, you probably know of plenty of people who were trying to do the best they could but made some wrong decisions. And because of it, they lost their business, their house. See, poor decision-making for an actual business person in the real world has real consequences. Poor decision-making for a bureaucrat or a politician means nothing because they still get paid and they still get their pension. Doesn't matter if their decision is good or bad. So let's go back to New Zealand here. Well, we're going to go ahead and tax the beef industry because, you know, they uh, bart and burp climate. Uh, I said that backwards. Fart and burp climate change. And that's going to be good for the beef industry that we're trying to put out of business. And it's going to fight climate change. And they actually believe that they're doing something good here. And so they're going to go ahead and tax us, which doesn't affect them at all. It will destroy those industries and have no effect on the climate whatsoever. But they don't care. Because nothing bad will happen. Now, what if those same people were in the cattle industry in New Zealand? And they knew if they voted this way, this is how they made their money. They didn't make their money off of running government. They made their money off of actually being in that industry. And they realized that if they voted this way, what would happen? They would lose everything. They would be poor. They would be out of work and out of money and bankrupt with no place to live. No idea where the next meal was coming from. Do you think they would vote the same way? No, they wouldn't. All of these decisions are coming from people who have no skin in the game. So it's okay for them to make these decisions as if they're doing something laudable, but they're not. Decisions like this should actually be made by people who have skin in the game. They would make smarter decisions. Dan and Cheyenne, since the Marxists can rewrite history with the 1619 Project, you can too with Bison. Why not? Rianne and Fort Danger, 
Gasp, you figured it out. Yeah. The reason, now, here's my theory on this, and I'm sticking with it. We, the white people, are damned because we came into the West and wiped out the bison. The real answer for that is, well, we were just trying to stop climate change. And you on the left want to bring the bison back? I thought you wanted to save the planet. 8.45 is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Talk Radio's 888-97-WOODS or chat him on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Off we go to the icebox. Frank Gambino is waiting by. Okay, uh, our friend Rhiannon in Fort Danger sent me... A few October reminders we need to be uh, wary of. And most of yes. them I either forget about uh-huh. or ignore. Well, I can print this or, list for you. Or, you or, or realize them in November. Yeah. Oh, it's too late, yeah. Number one, werewolves are usually very sore after transforming. Give them a heating pad and some gentle massage and keep plenty of food and water on hand. You might survive it. He's not going to survive the silver bullet, I'll tell you no, that right I'll tell you now. that. I always kind of wonder in horror movies when the werewolf is transforming, why is everybody standing around watching? Well, That's they, the time you hit him. Yeah, yeah, but but, but the, you've never seen that before, and you're like, yeah. whoa, that guy's got a beard. Yeah, I know. I would look at it and go, you know something? I'm hitting him now while he's in mid-transformation. <laughs> Vampires don't mind the colder weather, so remind them to wear jackets when they go outside so that they'll uh, blend in better with the cold populace. Yeah, see, we're freezing. They don't care. So we can tell it's a vampire, not just by no reflection, but they're not cold. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming they're warm-blooded. Yeah, right. I think. All right. But except when they're sleeping. Well, only when they drink In the it, coffin, then, then, then they'll be cold-blooded. Blood no, blooded. only when they've had a drink of warm blood are they warm-blooded. Okay, gotcha. Uh, the monsters that live under your bed like the smell of candles you burn in the room. Oh, really? Lush forest is their favorite scent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the shadow people actually like night lights because more light means more shadows. Right. Okay. So they're lonely. Yes, they are. Oh, that they just—they're just there to talk with they're, you. They're lonely. Yeah. The best lives uh, in the woods like watching you, and oh, I'm sorry, the beast that light lives in the woods likes watching you and your friends around the campfire. They like to pretend they're part of the group. That's why they're stalking and hanging out there. So don't worry about it. Remember this: if you yeah. think. If you feel that you're being watched, yeah, you are, uh-huh. especially out in the woods. Um, mimics love Halloween because, well, their costumes are always the best. Tree monsters that clicks and clacks in your window doesn't mean to scare you. They're just using nail clippers. Pretty much. Yeah, okay. So or, or to annoy you. Just Well, you know something? I have next-door neighbors for that. Right. <laughs> Okie dokie. Our latest Wyo Peps volleyball poll is out in 4A. Undefeated Kelly Walsh is number one. Thunder Basin two and Cody is three. Cody will host Kelly Walsh tonight. Laramie is fourth and Star Valley fifth. In 3A, Mountain View is rated number one, followed by Lyman, Wheatland, Powell, and Douglas. Over in 2A, Bighorn is number one, Burns two, Wright three, Rocky Mountain four, and Sundance five. Finally, in 1A, Southeast rated number one, followed by Riverside, Cokeville, Little Snake, River, and KC. High school football in the 4A ranks coming up tomorrow. The big game will be in Casper. Third rated, the Trone at 6-1 will host number one, Sheridan, who comes in at 7-0. All of the 4A games tomorrow will start at 6 p.m. Kelly Walsh will be at home uh, in Casper to be Thunder Basin. Cheyenne East will be at Cheyenne South. 
Cheyenne Central on the road at Campbell County, and Gillette Laramie will be on the road at Rock Springs. Major League Baseball playoffs, Atlanta beat Philadelphia 3-0 to even that National League best-of-five series at a game apiece. Braves pitcher Kyle Wright through six innings. He gave up two hits. Also in the National League, San Diego beat the L.A. Dodgers last night 5-3. Manny Machado homered and drove in two runs for the Padres. That series is even at a game apiece. Today in the American League at 1.30, Seattle will be at Houston. Houston leading that deal one game to none. And Cleveland will be in New York with the Yankees leading that series one game to none. In women's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowgirls were picked to finish fourth in the preseason Mountain West Conference Bowl. The uh, UNLV was picked to finish first. The Cowgirls did not place anybody on the preseason all-conference team. But they do have Douglas native Allison Furtick, who was the league's freshman of the year. And the Cowgirls will be on tour this week with an open practice on Saturday at Kelly Walsh High School in Casper between 4 and 6 p.m. Then on Sunday, it's a meet and greet between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. over at Douglas High School. Then an open practice on Sunday afternoon between 1 and 3 at the Story Gym in Cheyenne. And the National Hockey League season is underway. And last night, the Colorado Avalanche raised their Stanley Cup championship banner and then proceeded to beat the Chicago Blackhawks 5-2. Arturi Lenkinen had two goals for the Avalanche in that season opening game. And that's it in sports. So UW has the week off. Football right? does, yes. Yeah, yeah okay. So, so, all right. Um, so now we'll have to figure out something else to do on Saturday. I'm sure you'll like watch the There's game. games all over the place, aren't there? Well, yeah. I mean, okay. if, with college football, I mean, it starts bright and early. It goes yeah. way late. Okay. You know, I mean, so, I, I can only watch maybe one full game or parts of two. When you're not watching UW football, when they have, who do you go to? I Sometimes I don't even have a chance to watch because I'm on the road. Mm. <sighs> I'm sorry, Frank. <laughs> you can't find anyone to listen to while you're driving? Oh, no, no, no. I, I listen to the game. I, oh, okay. I listen to Cowboy Games on the radio. Say. Absolutely, I do. Don't want to unplug you, Frank. That's withdrawal symptoms. Oh, you know boy. Yeah? All right. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. We're going to roll into news time after that. National local update on the weather forecast. Open phones, of course. Great comments both off the app and off the phones. Thanks for that. We'll do it again in the next hour. Wake up, Wyoming. Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. It is a Thursday. And I swear I can see the weekend from here right over the horizon there. Not too far off. Now, hang on. I'm grabbing something. Oh, this is a brutal battle. Uh, someone just sent me in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. I'll go ahead and make a post out of this so you guys can see it. There's a pickup truck and a couple of moose big guys with big antlers. I mean, like you wouldn't believe and they're having a battle, and I don't, I'm worried that the pickup truck might get hurt. But, boy, they are going at it with each other. It's that season, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So, the President of the United States... I, I put snoring in for his thing. I'm not sure what to do there. That I was kind of seeing the picture him just sitting there snoring, slowly losing his mind. You notice that he tends to say a lot of things... 
I'm sure you have, that are just off. This day, 30 years ago, Nelson Mandela walked out of prison and entered into discussions about apartheid. I had the great honor of meeting him. I had the great honor of being arrested with our U.N. ambassador on the streets of no, Soweto trying That's to get to see him on Robins not Island. And so I, uh, I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home. No, he wasn't. I know from experience how much, how much anxiety and fear and concern there are in the people. We didn't lose our whole home, but lightning struck and we lost an awful lot of it. That's you not know, true I either. remember spending time. At the, you know, uh, go, going to uh, the, uh, you know, the Tree of Life Synagogue. I probably he did uh, not, but all right. went to shul more than many of you did. <laughs> <laughs> you all think I'm kidding. He can tell you I'm not. Yeah, it's not but true. But I was going home to see my mom, who was sick. And one of the conductors, I know for years, walked up and grabbed said, Joey, baby, grabbed my cheek. <laughs> and not a joke. He said, 36 years, 119 days a year, back and forth. Then as vice president, he said, we figure you've done X number of trips. It adds up to 1,200,000 miles on Amtrak. When I marched in the civil rights movement. He did not. I did not march with a 12-point program. I marched with tens of thousands of others to change attitudes. Yeah. And we changed attitudes. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship. No, he the didn't. only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. No, he did I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated no, with three degrees from no, undergraduate he didn't. He didn't school, get 165 credits, only needed 123 credits. And I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. Yeah, and he made all of that up, by the way. And you notice that there's very little, I'm not going to say none, but there's very little of the press going after him for stuff like that. Now, isn't that interesting that all of that, and very rarely, I'm not going to say never, let's go back to 1988. There is one less candidate in the race for the presidency tonight. Delaware Senator Joseph Biden dropped out of the hunt today saying the disclosures about his plagiarism in law school and his exaggerations about his academic record made it impossible for him to continue. Uh, then I do was... it with incredible reluctance, and it makes me angry. I'm angry with myself for having been put in the position, put myself in the position. Why, why didn't this come up during the last election? There was also this. While at Syracuse Law School, Biden was involved in a plagiarism incident he quoted five pages of someone else's work without proper citation. He was given an F, but appealed to the faculty and allowed to repeat the course. He got a B. This comes in the middle of another controversy about boy. plagiarism in Biden's I, campaign speeches. Today, he dismissed charges that he routinely adopts phrases uh, from other politicians' speeches, way, called it much ado about nothing. Style. Essentially, Biden said, everyone does it. The notion that every thought or notion or idea You'd have to go back and find and attribute to someone, I think is, quite frankly, uh, ludicrous. But to the political community in Washington, it all seems of a piece. Plagiarism at law school, plagiarism on the stump. It, the part that you heard earlier where he was uh, saying, well, I graduated, this is my class, and I have these degrees, three different degrees, and so on. And all of that was a complete lie, too. The new questions stem from taped remarks of Biden during an April campaign appearance in New Hampshire. 
I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and, in fact, ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only 823 credits. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. Joseph Biden. His memory failed him back then? And all right. So you got to ask then, how in the world does this guy wind up in the position that he's in? I know not a lot of Democrats are necessarily happy with this guy, but he winds up president of the United States anyway. And while the media is not totally in love with this guy, they still tend to run some kind of interference for him, too. Which I wonder, you know, shrug my shoulders and go, well, now why? And we can come up with all sorts of explanations. Oh, wait, let's not forget when he had cancer. And because it was a four-lane highway that was accessible, my mother drove us and rather than us be able to walk. And guess what? The first frost, you know what was happening. You had to put on your windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. And why can't for the longest time Delaware had the highest cancer rate in the nation. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. And none of that's true either. And yet he just gets away with it. He just does. It should have been when he was running for president again his last time that all of that was drudged up. It should have been by the media. Now, I know the conservative media did, but the rest of the news media out there didn't even touch it. And it's interesting to bring this up with people who voted for Biden and go, why did you vote for that? And many of them didn't even know about it. Oh, and then what would happen if a conservative running for Congress said things like this? I'm Calvin Phillips with Campus Reform. Today we're at Marymount University reading offensive quotes to students and asking them if they think they're Joe Biden's or Donald Trump's. Who would you vote for in the presidential election between Donald Trump and Joe Biden? I would probably have to go with leadership, which is Joe Biden. Personally, I would go for Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. I have a few quotes for you here. I want you to guess who said them between Donald Trump or Joe Biden. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. Trump. Uh, Trump. <laughs> that sounds like a Trump quote. That's a big yikes. I might say Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump. This was to a largely African-American audience. Quote, if my opponent wins, they're going to put you all back in chains. Trump again. <laughs> I still think that's Donald Trump. Oh, definitely Trump. Uh, Trump. Donald Trump. Joe Biden. Next up, this was about President Obama. He called him, quote, the first mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and clean. Father Trump. I'll go Trump again. Uh, I think Trump said that. Donald Trump. What if I told you that all of those are actually Joe Biden? All right, there it is. <laughs> is that surprising? Yeah, very. That's crazy. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> is that surprising to you? Yeah, I mean, it's, they're all pretty racist, so not really good. Well, that's surprising. That's really surprising. Why is that surprising? I've never heard any of those things before. So the fact that you told me that, now I'm like, damn, is he really who he say he is? I don't think that's something I want to yeah. uh, really support. 
Would this potentially impact your vote? Of course. Why is that? Since I thought all that was Trump, like, I thought, like, that was going to be a slam dunk. But apparently, you know, I got to reconsider that. So I'll just look more in-depth, really. Would these quotes potentially lead you to another candidate? Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Personally, uh, probably. Okay, let's hope that they did vote for somebody else and not for that. NJ Cat and Mills, just three words. Joe sucks. <laughs> Nine fifteen. Wake up, Wyoming. Yo, this is Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K Two Radio. Join the conversation at eight 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 ninety seven Woods. Once the time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. I like this. Dan and Laramie sends me a note. You can, By the way, you can send me a note by using the Wake Up Wyoming app. It's really easy to do. You go to your app store, download Wake Up Wyoming, and then when I'm on the air, just hit chat, and you can send me texts and videos and links to things. And so people do that all the time. Or you can call the show 888-97-WOODS if you want to talk to me on the air. So anyway, Dan and Laramie, Joe Biden's presidential memoir will be the first one to be put in the fiction section of the library. Actually, I thought uh, Barack Obama's would be in the fiction section, too. Okay, But now, I would say that Bill Clinton would be in the adults <clears throat> section, right? Just a thought. Hey, real quick, let's go to Natrona County. This is where there was this it's, – it's still ongoing. There's a big fight in the school board there because there's a couple of books that are in the high school library in Natrona County that are objectionable. And be, thanks to the publication Cowboy State Daily, I was able to take a look – and you can too with their articles – at what's in those books. And I consider it to be highly inappropriate because it's very sexualized. I mean – you can look at drawings of sex acts between teenagers. Okay. Very graphic. And written descriptions of sex acts. Very graphic. And then there's some pictures of people and very graphic. So I would say inappropriate for school. All right. So that debate's been ongoing. Here's the latest. Casper School Board asked for police to intervene after a teacher gets called a pedophile during the book debate. A contentious crowd, the story says, in a Toronto County School Board meeting traded Barb's city council candidate calling a substitute teacher a pedophile. And others, that, now i got to make sure I say that right, a city council candidate, candidate, calling the substitute teacher a pedophile and others uh, calling concerned parents uh, book banners. Now, I, did, I do disagree with the book banning part, first off. Because no one's banning a book. There's just some places some books are inappropriate. You would not allow me to walk into a school library with Playboy and Penthouse magazine, or worse, and put them in the school library. That's inappropriate. I'm not banning it. You just can't get it there. All right. Uh, calling the person a pedophile, that's because some of the material that's in these books, wow, you got to see. I mean, Wow. And to hand, there are those uh, experts in the field of um, child predatory crimes, let's say, that consider this these two books to be grooming of young people. That's why the pedophile comment comes out. But I go back to, really, if you want to have this debate, when we should, do it like adults. 
Right? And sometimes it really is difficult to do that. I understand. The controversy, well, name-calling is what I'm talking about. Controversy, of course, it goes into where the controversy comes from. Stephen Duggar, a substitute teacher for the school district and self-described conservative, addressed the board saying he read the books and didn't know why people were calling it pornographic. He said, I've seen pornography, I'm ashamed to say, when I was a young man. I don't know. I know what it is, and that's not what this is. Well, I have to really disagree with him. I've, I know that's very – these books are, in my opinion, very pornographic. Eric Paulson, who's running for Casper City Council, spoke up after uh, this gentleman said – and accused him of being a pedophile. Those, he said, those who advocate for keeping books like this – People who think 12 and 13 and other minor children are discovering themselves and with books like this. You literally just had a pedophile come talk to you uh, who told us he's a substitute teacher. Kelly Walsh High School generally serves age in, uh, ages 14 through 18. Dangler responded uh, to Paulson. He openly told us he wants young children to discover who they are right now. So that's where the debate goes back and forth on this. So, okay. Uh, it gets into a lot of graphic detail in in the story. It's, uh, it's uh, again, Cowboy State Daily story here. So let me see. I'm getting past all of the sexual content and stuff like that. All right. So basically because of this, this is where the Casper School Board asked police to interfere, intervene after a teacher gets called a pedophile. And I think what they're basically trying to do here is just keep the two sides apart from each other. This is why when the school board meeting gets contentious like this, a lot of times they just shut off the microphones and go, that's enough. In other words, if you want to debate this, great, but if we're going to start getting ugly like this, we're done. All right. So asking the police to step in in something like this is because if some of the comments are getting too contentious and go too far, you have an officer step up and go, well, that's it. That's enough. Break it up. That's generally the idea behind having the police step in. Dan and Laramie, let me see. No, no. uh, Okay. No, okay. I thought, Dan, what you were saying was going to relate to what I was just talking about, but it doesn't. Okay. So anyway, this is a debate that continues in the Natrona County schools, and there's more meetings that are going to be held on this. And I would say if you really want to take a look at, I mean, an honest look at what these books are, and I would encourage that you do, because you hear a lot about misinformation in the news, well, get around the misinformation. Go look for yourself. And the best way to do that is just look at the books. So if you go to, and I have to give them credit because it's gutsy, Cowboy State Daily has a series of articles. And in the articles, they bought the books. And the reporter who's doing the story opened up the books and took pictures of what's in the books. So you can look at the pictures, you can read the language, it's all laid out there, and you can decide for yourself whether this is too graphic to be in schools or in a school library or not. Now, again, my opinion is, yes, way over the top, way over the top, way too graphic, not appropriate for schools. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm trying to ban books. I never said anything about banning the book. But I am talking about where it is appropriate for some material to be. And this stuff is way over the top, and it's not appropriate in a school library setting, in my opinion. I would have that just if you want to buy those books and give it to your kids. If you looked at it and you thought it was appropriate, then you go ahead and buy those books and you give it to your kids. It's your kids. It's your household. You can do what you want. But that's why I say, you know, there's... 
Penthouse Magazine, for all those of us who are old enough to remember that, and they can get really graphic, right? Yeah, okay. Would you put, and there's magazines worse than that. Would you put that in the school library? I would bet you would say no. If that's the case, then you wouldn't want this stuff in the school library. That's my opinion on it. Anyway. All right, coming up on 930. So local news is coming your way. Right after local news, we have an update on your weather forecast. Ms. Mary informs me, got a couple of guests coming into the studio to fill the next segment of the program. And then we'll get into, uh, oh, Frank has more sports coming your way after that. 888-97-WOODS is the phone number. Wake Up Wyoming is the app that you use. Free to download at your app store. Wake Up Wyoming. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods from K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. Thirty-six. The time. It's wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Wood. Salvation Army has come into the studio to join us from the Shona County area. So I'm just going to start and kind of work my way down over there. So grab that microphone, slide it way over to you, and you are. I am Morgan Duso, and I'm the corporate engagement director for the Salvation Army in California. Okay, so you have an engagement coming tonight here. Okay, and you were telling me you're trying to bring in Silicon Valley to the area. Absolutely. This is a great uh, training opportunity for people. So what's the idea behind the program? So I'll let Major Trish talk about that since okay. she is the one heading it up. Hi, I'm Major Trish Simmeroth. I'm the Corps Officer here in Casper, uh, Wyoming, Salvation Army, and we have a program that's called Why Step Up? And in that program, we have a work development portion of it, which includes um, Bay Valley Tech, and that is okay. for training for women to get a, a better job. Okay. And uh, you were saying earlier that these women what, are, are coming out of maybe Prison. some problems? Prison. Okay. Yes. So in the state of Wyoming, uh, we have uh, researched recently uh, from about 2014 forward that Wyoming went from one of the best uh, uh, places for recidivism so women wouldn't return to prison right. to one of yeah. the most challenging. And so we, as the Salvation Army, uh, wanted to address that and find programs that would help stabilize women so that they wouldn't return to prison. And okay. so that's the Why Step Up program. It's a good idea that they have a job when they step out of this. Yes, and that's but, one of the challenges. Let's move it one more down. So what kind of jobs are we talking about? What kind of training would they get? Uh, so my name is Philip Lon, and uh, the organization is called Bay Valley Tech. So lots of uh, digital skills opportunities nowadays, uh, okay. graphic design, um, digital marketing, uh, web design, software development, project management, tech sales, tech recruiting. So these are all jobs that um, in many parts of the country are paying uh, six figures. Right. Uh, many of them uh, allow for fully remote work now so people from Wyoming can land jobs anywhere and and stay here and work here mm -hmm. and uh, the training programs are very very quick uh, okay. months not years 
Nice. So okay, now uh, oftentimes when people think, of, "Well, we're going to get into computer work," oh my God, all that coding! I can't possibly. Do. It's I think probably a lot like the business I'm in here. They hear the on-air part, but they don't hear or see all of the other things that happen behind the scenes. There's a lot you can do in the radio industry. That includes technology today. As I told you, this board will become a touchscreen after a while. So you just listed off a whole bunch of jobs that don't necessarily have to do with coding, exactly. but still are computer uh, centric, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. If you're a marketing person and yeah. you learn a little bit about technology, you know, you that opens doors for you into okay. some of these uh, companies in these positions. All right. So let's head back over to the majors. So what is this event that we're having tonight? Well, it's called the Cowboy Up Dinner, and it's specifically to help uh, raise funds for the project that we're doing with Why Step Up and with the Bay Valley Tech Group to stabilize women. And um, it's kind of a fun event. We're trying to uh, bring awareness to the issues of uh, women in Wyoming, and it's not just here in Casper. It's throughout the state who are struggling to find stability once they come out, which then puts them back into that process of possibly going back into prison by not completing their probation or their parole requirements. Okay. So it's a fundraiser for the program? Yep. Okay. How would I know, whoever might have the answer, so a woman coming out of prison, how would they know to turn and talk to you folks? How do they, is there a guide somewhere? Well, we work with uh, Wyoming Department of Corrections. We actually work with the uh, reentry teams, the women coming out of prison and the parole boards, and we screen the women uh, that are ready to come out of prison, and we... Um, look at their their needs and how we can best fit that and and share with what we have so they can feel that this is a good place for them to go. And as we work with uh, uh, YDOC, um, we also work with probation and parole when they're out of prison so that they stay on track to their necessary requirements for um, the time that they're in probation or parole. Okay. So for these people who you want to show up tonight, they have to be where, when? Well, it starts tonight at 5, uh, from 5 to 5.30 with a tour of our building downtown, which is at 441 South Center. And we're showing them the program, where the um, classroom is, where the women work um, uh, on the computers, and then also their living quarters, and then sort of the programs. So that starts at 5, the tour. And then at 5.30, we have hors d'oeuvres, and 6 o'clock, we're having some meal and an auction and a whole bunch of fun things. So. Okay. And for more information on uh, the program, where do they go to find Salvation Army and, and what you're doing? Well, you can go on um, to the internet. We have a Facebook page and just look up the Salvation Army. If you type in Salvation Army, um, you you will generally in your area be directed right to the resources that are in that community and you can find anything you need for us um, on the web. Okay. And any other needs you might have that people can help throughout the year? Uh, well, we have, obviously, we have Thanksgiving coming up where yeah. we have a drive through Thanksgiving um, basket for the folks here in um, the uh, Casper area or right. Evansville or, or uh, Mills. We also have a Christmas benefit coming up as well for, that helps raise uh, toys for kids, and we distribute those to families in need. So there's a couple of events coming up. All right. Thank you for coming in this morning. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Let's wake up, Wyoming. But a new case of measles. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods, live on AM 1030 and the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Coming up at 948 real quick here, off we go to talk to Frank Ambino. He's over there in the icebox. Uh, so, Frank, yes. I was, you know, I'm heading to Cheyenne because I have Thankful Thursday. Because right, every Thursday is yes. thankful. Hey, hey, that, well, it's true because I'm alive. And any 
Thursday that I'm dead, I won't be so thankful. But okay. And so as I head down there, I've noticed time when I'm just kind of... I do this for fun. I watch the gas gauge. There will be a nice stout wind Mm -hmm. at my back on the way down. On the way back? It just goes like this. Yes. And I've done that. One time I went down there with some really strong winds at my back, and I noticed, well, I really didn't use much gas. But then on the way back, I noticed that same exact conditions. And wow, I almost didn't make it back. And so I'm thinking, is there a way that we can sit down and write up a sort of like a graph or some kind of calculations so you know what your gas mileage based on wind speed is going to be in the state of Wyoming? You know, what? what what's that app that, that you had on your phone with the, that, with the wind? Windy, it's called, yeah. That would have you to play into it. So yeah. you, you would use that yeah. and say, okay, this is how, if it's 20 miles an hour going yeah. into a headwind, yeah. this is how what your miles per gallon is. Yeah. See, 20, he, 20 miles an hour... With you know, with the wind, exactly. tailwind That's it. is want, this. Yeah. Now, what is it when it's a crosswind? Sure. Yeah. Now, okay. Which will change. Use were interesting. <laughs> okay. So, as you know, I love airplanes, right? <clears throat> and there's a calculation, but it's different in the air. If I'm flying somewhere and I have a tailwind, I'm going to get there faster. Yeah. If I'm flying into the headwind, I will get there slower. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. But it's different when you're on the interstate doing 80 miles an hour because you're doing 80 miles an hour no matter what. It's just either your car didn't need as much effort because you had a tailwind or your car needed more effort to get to where you're going because you had a headwind. Mm-hmm. And so you are doing the same speed, but you're using more gas to do it into a headwind. Now, I would think that a crosswind wouldn't cost you any extra fuel. I, but I would say this, though. Yeah. We, in Wyoming, you know, it is, you know, there is up yeah. and down. Okay, there's the next Up thing. and So down. you would add into there probably how many hills you had to cross. There, there, there may be too many to count. Yeah. I think there's like seven of them between Casper and okay. Glenrock. So it's going to cost you this much gas to get this way, but that much gas to get to the other way. Right. Okay. So if I could go ahead and invent a wind calculator app, especially for the state of Wyoming, then I I think people would actually download this and use it. Okay, so I'm leaving Cheyenne, Wyoming, and I'm heading up to Wright. How much gas is this going to cost me this time around? Yeah. And it can calculate that so they don't get stuck in the middle of nowhere having run out of gas. You can save yourself a lot of effort. Cars nowadays will tell you how many miles you have to go. Yeah. And when you get to a certain point... You know, go find a gas station. Well, and as you know, okay, if you look at the vehicles that we drive here at the radio studios, mm-hmm. there is in the option on that screen in front of you yeah. to look at how much what your gas mileage is. Right. Yeah. And how many miles do you have? You do you have left? Do you have left in your tank of gas? Yeah. yeah. The, the The alarm goes off at thirty. You have only thirty five miles. Oh, to you go. know this. Oh, I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, high school football in the 4A ranks coming up tomorrow. The big game will be in Casper as third rate in the Trona at 6-1 and one will host number one Sheridan who comes in at 7-0. All the 4A games uh, starting at 6 p.m. tomorrow. Kelly Walsh will be at home in Casper to meet Thunder Basin. Cheyenne East will be at Cheyenne South with Cheyenne Central on the road at Campbell County in Gillette. And Laramie will be on the road at Rock Springs. Our latest Wild Preps volleyball poll is out in 4A. Kelly Walsh number one, Thunder Basin two, Cody three, and Cody will host Kelly Walsh tonight. And Kelly Walsh is undefeated. Laramie is 
is four and Star Valley is five. And three, a Mountain View rated first, followed by Lyman, Wheatland, Powell, and Douglas. Over in two, a Bighorn remains number one. Burns two, right three, Rocky Mountain four, and Sundance five. Finally, in one, a Southeast at number one, followed by Riverside, Cokeville, Little Snake River, and KC. In the Major League Baseball playoffs, Atlanta beat Philadelphia three to nothing to even that National League best of five series at a game apiece. Braves pitcher Kyle Wright threw six innings and gave up two hits. Also in the National League last night, San Diego beat the LA Dodgers five to three as Manny Machado homered and drove in two for the Padres. That series is even at a game apiece. Today at 1.30 in the American League, Seattle will be at Houston. Houston leads that deal one game to none. Cleveland will be in New York with the Yankees leading that deal one game to none. In women's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowgirls were picked to finish fourth in the preseason Mountain West Conference poll. UNLV was picked to finish first. The Cowgirls did not place anybody on the preseason all-conference team, but they do have a returning star and Douglas native Allison Furtick, who was the league's freshman of the year a year ago. The Cowgirls will be on tour this week with an open practice on Saturday at Kelly Walsh High School in Casper between 4 and 6 p.m., then over to Douglas on Sunday for a meet and greet between 9 and 10 a.m., then an open practice on Sunday afternoon between 1 and 3 at the Story Gym in Cheyenne. National Hockey League season is underway. Last night, the Colorado Avalanche raised their Stanley, Stanley Cup championship banner and proceeded to pound the Chicago Blackhawks 5-2. Arturi Lekkonen had two goals for the Avalanche in that season opening game, and that's it in sports. I'm actually going to investigate this, Frank, because I'm interested in the physics of it, but here's another one for you. When I first got to Wyoming, I was driving a a small a small two-door, four-cylinder car. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine who is not just a mechanic, he's a master mechanic, and I said, wow, out here in Wyoming, I ought to be getting great gas mileage. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. You're on the interstate in a four-cylinder car doing 80 miles an hour. You cross a bell curve where you start to bleed off energy. So your gas mileage in a four-cylinder on Wyoming's interstates is the worst. Really? If you were in a six-cylinder, you would be getting better gas mileage. And he showed me the figures on it, how that works. Now, if I was driving down a highway where the speed limit was like 65, 70 in the same four-cylinder car, I'm getting great gas mileage. But the closer I start pushing toward higher speeds, the harder it is for the engine to make that happen, Mm -hmm. which is where I'm losing that, no, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, totally. he explained it to me with math and everything. And I'm going, wow, I never thought about that. So for those people who bought small cars with fewer cylinders to save gas on Wyoming's interstates, I'm sorry. I hate to, I hate to break it to you. You're not. All right. All right. Thank you, Frank. I, I really have to go ahead and check up. The, I'm going to do a little bit of research on this because to me that's really just a fascinating topic and I'll get back to you on All right, coming up on local news, weather forecast, wake up well. Hey, it's Dana.